It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Quickly to Wall. Wall, measures, deal, gets open for three. Hey guys, welcome to the Locked On Wizards Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Troy Halliburton. And on the other line today, I have a special guest, uh, the new managing editor of Bullets Forever, Mr. Albert Lee. How are you doing today, Albert? Uh, I'm doing good, Troy. How about you? I'm doing all right, doing all right. It's uh, kind of the, the dog days of uh, wizard content. So, you know, it, I feel like we, 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 we all in, in the content creation game, uh, you know, they, we have this point in the, the low after uh, NBA free agency and before the uh, NBA schedule will uh, actually break next week to uh, actually, you know, have figure out different things to talk about. So uh, one, one of the things that uh, I wanted to uh, do was sit back and have an actual conversation about Bradley Bill, the Wizards' best player, and just kind of go over his whole tenure as a Washington Wizard. Um, yeah, but first, uh, tell, tell the people uh, a little bit about about yourself and uh, what, some of the new things that you're going to be have going on over at Bullets Forever. Uh, sure. Um, uh, as uh, many of you know, um, I have been on uh, Bullets Forever for since 2014. So I've been on there for quite some time. Um, some of the things that... Uh, I would like to uh, start um, over this fall for the NBA season. Is um, we're going, we definitely want to have a uh, larger presence um, in games. Um, we certainly have had uh, some of our writers at games from time to time, uh, but we want to have a more consistent presence than we have in the past. Um, so you'll see a lot more, uh, let's say, videos with uh, some of the players post game. Um, if you have checked out our site at boltscrover.com, uh, during the summer, the Mystics are playing, so you've seen a couple of our contributors, Brady Diaz and Diamond Holton, uh, interviewing their players post-game, and you will see uh, more of that this fall as well with uh, with the Wizards this season. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to you know, see the content uh, creation that you guys can come up with. Uh, Grady is a great interviewer. You know, I watch her. She comes... She comes down to Wizards games, and you know she, she she talks to players. I mean, she's really good at the in-person interview game. Uh, you know, Mike Mike Sykes is you know he he's all big time now, but when when he could come down, he comes down, and you know he he gets into the mix, and he he's a staple on Bloggers Row. And I'm I'm excited to uh, you know get you to come down and 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 get a chance to you know take take in the game atmosphere. And you know, get get a chance to really uh, experience the, the the bloggers throw uh, the ups and downs of of going through the the whole season of actually covering the games at live and in person. Trust me, it it, it, it can get a little depressing in uh, in February and March if the team's not winning any games. Well, uh, <laughs> um, def- um, I've definitely uh, had a chance to uh, to be over. It. Over with the you know with the rest of the media circuit during the NBA summer league um, just this past July, uh, but yes, yeah, so I also do intend on uh, coming to a few of the Wizards games myself over at Bloggers Row as well. So, so no worries, no worries on that end. Um, <laughs> but but as you mentioned, uh, you know, you know, we're, I'm I'm really happy to see that you know Mike has um, he's done really well for our site over the past several years, and, and now he's over at Axios. And of course, we're we're really stoked that Grady is on on our site. You know, she's in uh, her interviews with uh, you know with Mystics players right now in the summer, but also some of the Wizards players uh, this past fall. Maybe nothing but top notch. So so we're really proud to have her on the site. 
Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I can I look forward to seeing what you guys are able to create. Mm-hmm. All right, so let, let, let's uh, dive into uh, this Bradley Bill podcast. So I, I wanted to first look at uh, how much of the conversation do you remember surrounding uh, when the Wizards uh, jumped up into the lottery that year and grabbed the number three pick and, and some, some of the conversation that was going on around who the team should be taking. I remember uh, there was a, a large uh, contingent of Wizards fans who were very interested in Harrison Barnes at the time. Uh, but but the Wizards, I feel like uh, it's safe to say that the Wizards ended up making the right selection by uh, taking Bill with the third pick. Um, I agree with you there. Um, I like Bradley Beal's um, his physique uh, as a college freshman. Even one thing that intrigued me as um, when I saw Bradley Beal in his freshman freshman year freshman year at Florida was that I mean his physique he already looked pro ready. Um, there are a lot of other college players, whether they're freshmen or sophomores. I think Harrison Barnes is a junior at North Carolina when he got drafted. Um, and they clearly still look like they're they're not fully developed yet. Um, now, since Brad has entered the NBA, he has he has continued to you know to further develop his body. But coming into the NBA straight up, he he was already at least from a physical standpoint, he was already ready to play. Uh, that was one thing that, uh, that intrigued me most about him. Uh, second, his shooting form over at Florida, um, it, was also, it also looked very, very solid. That was why many, uh, many Wizards fans wanted to see him in, the, in a Washington jersey from day one. Um, it has taken some time, of course, to adjust to the three-point line. That happens to every um, NBA draft prospect. But in the long run, I agree with you. Uh, the Wizards made the right decision to pick him. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree. I think that uh, when you talk about uh, Bradley Bill's shooting form, I think that that was probably uh, uh, one of the biggest indicators of the of the potential that he could have in the NBA. And I think that, um, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people got too caught up into uh, um, his shooting percentages when he was at Florida. And, you know, I think, I think that that was, uh, more, that could be more attributed to the fact that, you know, he was the star of that team. And, you know, he probably took a lot of shots that, you know, that, that probably weren't, uh, you know, great quality looks. But, you know, when you're mm-hmm. the star of the team, you're, you're, you're able to come out there and kind of have the free reign to, you know, take whatever it is shot that you want, whether that be good shots or bad shots. But mm-hmm. when you talk about the form of his jump shot, I think that, you know, anybody who is a natural uh, talent evaluator knows that, I mean, he has, you know, just an almost uh, picture-perfect uh, shooting form. And, and, and I think that the comparisons uh, that, that he was drawn back then was uh, to Ray Allen. And so just as you said, I feel like over time, uh, maybe when he got to the NBA, it took him a little while to uh, uh, kind of adjust to the NBA three-point line. But I think that now it's safe to say that, you know, Bradley Bill is, is probably one of the, the better shooters in the NBA right now. Yes, um, I agree. Um, uh, I believe this last season he was uh, shooting at a career low percentage-wise from the three-point line, but I attribute that to the fact that every team defense is going to focus on Beal. Uh, they're going to... Um, they're going to defend him more closely when he takes the three-point shot. And, of course, Beal's taking more shots than he otherwise has over the first few years when he was, uh, you know, sharing that backcourt with John Wall as that primary ball in the sport. Yeah, so, and then when we, when we talk about uh, those, uh, Bradley's first couple of years when he was in the uh, league, I think that a lot of the conversation uh, has to be started with uh, – uh, his kind of injury-riddled uh, first couple of seasons. And, and some of that uh, deals with uh, the, the stress uh, fractures or stress reactions in his legs. And uh, I think that uh, one of the things that was uh, very poignant to me over the last couple of years, how they Wizards talked about that Bradley Bill actually was still kind of growing and that, you know, I know that his, uh, his draft height was listed at 6'5", but I, I'm going to say that he was probably closer to a little bit of 6'3", when he was first drafted, but as 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 uh, he's kind of matriculated through his career, I, I feel like he has grown into a player who's a legit six five now. And that a part of that uh, the stress fractures in his leg came from 
you know, a guy who's, you know, technically still going through uh, the rest of his puberty process. So, but, but now that he's, like, fully into his grown man body, we've seen that he's been able to, uh, you know, withhold the, uh, the rigor of a full NBA season with him having played 82 games uh, uh, both of the last two seasons. And he actually played uh, the most minutes of any player in the NBA uh, last season. Uh, what 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 can you talk about with Bill and the early like the the, the stress fractures in his leg and the conversations kind of around uh, the injury riddle first couple of seasons? Hmm. To me, uh, I kind of view it as um, from this perspective. Uh, there's a lot uh, the way the NBA is today. A lot of the new stars in those early draft picks are coming in as 19 year old, 20 year old. 20-year-old people, so so they're not necessarily fully developed in the process, as, as you mentioned, um, from a physical standpoint. Even though Beal, Beal's body looked like it was already pro-ready, and it was, I mean, he was still growing and, and filling into his frame. Um, and the other thing is that the that there's a difference between the way, the number of games that the college team is going to play versus the NBA. Uh, as you mentioned, the NBA, there's 82 regular season games. You probably have another five or six preseason games on top of that. Uh, you have summer league um, as soon as these players are drafted. So that's easily from the time a player gets drafted in June until the end of the regular season in April. This, you know, someone like Bia, let's say he never had these stress reactions. He's playing 82 regular season games. You add another five summer league games. That's eighty-seven, and um, and of course you're adding on the preseason games plus the practice. So um, it's definitely an adjustment between the way an NCAA player is going to handle his schedule and the way NBA player is. Um, and and to me, those stress reactions, um, I'd say I would actually give. I know we don't give too much credit to the Wizards medical staff in the past because they've underestimated the time frame for players um, to recover from injury. But when it came to Bradley Beal, um, they have made the right call to to send him out in those early seasons because um, they felt when they found stress reactions, they they just sat him out. They didn't want to just let him keep playing lightly or something and then see that stress reaction turn to a fracture and then um and then, you know, perhaps Bill wouldn't be where he is right now. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I definitely think that uh, you know, the the Wizards medical staff has gotten a lot of heat over the past years and some of that may be deserved. But I do believe that the way they handled Brad in his early years was very conducive to, you know, looking for the, the, the long term view and making sure that they were building up a player that they were going to be able to have for, you know, uh, close to up, up, up to a decade at this point. So mm-hmm. uh, when we're talking about Brad in those early years, uh, we, we, we've talked about his body and, his, uh, and him playing more games and getting adjusted to the, uh, to the NBA schedule. But let's talk about some of the things that he was able to do on the court in those early years and, and, and how uh, – you know, Brad, I, I'm sitting here, I have this basketball reference page up right now, and you look at, you know, the, the, the 2013 or 2014 or 2015 season, you know, where Brad, he, he was doing okay. He's averaging, you know, 13 and 15 or 17 points, respectively, in those seasons. But uh, also, the Wizards, uh, they ended up, you know, making some trades and bringing in Gortat and bringing in Nene and combined with John Wall, you know, that the team was going on some uh, some playoff runs. And Brad, you know, really kind of showed that he was, uh, as Dickie V would say, a PC Peter. You know, he he would step up in those playoffs, and you know, he he averaged no less than 19 points a game in in all of his uh, years in playoff uh, performances. What 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 did you think about the way that Brad was able to, you know, kind of adjust his game from you know a player who was you know not not so much as timid during the regular season. But he was sitting in with John Wall. But during, during the playoffs, you could clearly see the potential of a guy who, who, who was a scoring maven. I view it in, um, 
I can see it a number of ways. Uh, but here's the way I would, uh, how I would normally view Beal's playoff performance. Um, I think, uh, I think whenever any team makes the playoffs, uh, you know, players, you know, they, they definitely step up and Beal certainly did, uh, during those first two playoff runs back in 2014 and 2015 when they made the second round. Um, and the other thing is, uh, when you're, when a player is a rookie, um, at the time, I mean, people were focusing more on John Wall, they were focusing more on Marching Gortat, or focusing more on Nene. So initially, you know, maybe Beal was making more of those points because hey, he's just wide open. You had to pick your poison in the playoffs. But as, but as time went on, you know, these big performances in the playoffs helped mature a player that much more. So even though Beal had some of these uh, stress injuries in his first couple of years, fortunately, they never happened to a point where he had to miss um, playoff games for them. So um, it's sort of a blessing in disguise in that sense because now he's able to, um, I mean, he played fewer games in those early seasons, but they also helped him show his potential in the playoffs. Um, my favorite moment um, of Beal as a rookie in the playoffs, uh, this is his rookie season in 2014 against Indiana. I think it was game six. Uh, the Wizards ultimately lost that game and the series to them. But uh, Beal did make a, you know, just, I think he just dribbled down the court, took a three from, uh, from the baseline, and it went in. The Wizards were leaving by one. I mean, that was like the peak moment of the Wizards that season. Um, when that shot went in, people were like, yes. You know, we have a chance to win this game. We're going to go push this to game seven. Um, I think playoff mobile, he is the guy. I mean, he had about as much confidence as anybody out there. Um, and when he gets going, especially during the playoffs, uh, I mean, the Wizards, they could beat anybody any game. That's, that's just how I, how I view Beal in the playoffs during, during that time and, and, and even now. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that uh, one of the things, uh, I, I I do like how you talked about, uh, I think that his role adjusted. So from those early playoff runs where a lot of times defenses would be focused on trying to stop Nene and trying to stop Wall. And, you know, Bill, Bill he was able to take advantage of his individual matchups. Uh, I think that, you know, we uh, it, it kind of it, it gets uh, forgotten that, you know, he went up against some, you know, quality shooting guards in those first couple of playoff runs. Uh, you know, they played the Bulls in that first playoff series, and, you know, he kind of he kind of uh, outplayed Jimmy Butler a little bit in that series. I remember in that mm-hmm. same Indiana series that you're speaking of, uh, Lance Stevenson was the starting shooting guard, and I remember, you know, Bill was giving Lance Stevenson so much fit that, you know, they had, they, they had to switch Paul George on some. And, and, you know, Paul George is one of the best defenders in the NBA, so he, he did make it a little bit more difficult for Bill, and I believe that that was probably ultimately why the Wizards uh, wound up not winning that series. But I think that the, the seeds were being planted early as far as uh, the things that Bill can do as far as winning his individual matchups in, the, uh, in those first playoff runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. and so uh, when, when we talk about uh, Bill coming off of those, you know, the Wizards, they, they were coming off of those playoff runs, Everything was, you know, looking up. The trajectory of the team was uh, an arrow that was clearly pointed up. And in the summer of 2016, uh, the Wizards uh, decided to offer Bill uh, his current contract, his five-year max contract. Um, what, what, what do you remember about uh, the conversations that were taking place around the Wizards offering Bill his first initial max contract? And uh, do you think that Bill has lived up to that contract so far? Uh, I, from back in 2016, I think I remember most, most fans are in, or, or even most reports back then, they were just anticipating that Beal would just get a max, uh, five-year extension, he'd sign it, and it's a done deal. Um, especially for players who are drafted in the top three, uh, they're putting up decent production. They're going to get that max extension. And that player is going to sign that set, that sophomore deal deal uh, with their team, and that's uh, and that's just how it is um, in the NBA. And I, 
I mean, uh, yes, I, there are definitely some people who said, oh, the Wizards should offer a shorter contract, offer a little less money. Uh, that may be because of, you know, some of the past injuries to uh, max contracts that painted out in the past, like Gilbert Arenas in 2008, or, or even, you know, what we're dealing with John Wall uh, right now with the Supermax. But with Beal, um, I, think, I think basically everyone and their mother knew he was getting the max contract, he's signing it, um, and has he lived up to it? Yes, he has, he has definitely lived up uh, to his max contract thus far. The Wizards' wins aren't there, but one player can only do so much. Exactly. One player can only do so much, and, you know, they pay him to come out here and perform, and I believe that he has come out here and perform. And, you know, uh, uh, the duration of uh, his first max contract extension, you know, Bill has made his first two all-star uh, appearances, I believe it should have been three all-star appearances, uh, but we, we won't get started into uh, Adam Silver uh, appointing uh, Carmelo Anthony to the all-star team in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the 2017 season. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but Bill, Bill has pretty much, he's earned his two uh, all-star berths. And, uh, you know, I think one, one of the things when we look at uh, the reason why he probably didn't receive uh, a lot of recognition early on for the All-Stars is because for some reason, I don't think that uh, casual NBA fans are really uh, too familiar with Bradley Bill. I don't, it, it, it's like they know who he is, but he doesn't. Every year when we look at the, uh, the All-Star voting, you know, we're always like, Garrett Rose? How does Garrett Rose have more votes than Bradley Bill? He's not even playing. It's like, you know, we, 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 we look at the voting totals and what, what do you think it is that uh, has kind of hindered Bradley Bill from being one of the more popular players in the NBA, despite him, you know, he's, he's a great guy. He's, uh, he's actually, you know, quite charming. He speaks well, um, and, and, and he can uh, play on the court. Why, why do you think that uh, he hasn't really grown to the level of popularity of some of the other stars around the NBA? Um, it's, it's a combination of things. Um, the first is, you know, are you the number one pick in the draft or not? Uh, Beal wasn't the number one pick in 2012. That's one part of it. Um, the next part is, are you going to a team that has, that ultimately gets a lot more success because you are the primary catalyst of that success? In Beal's case, the Wizards, um, they made the playoffs in his second season, I believe. Um, but, uh, he still was not viewed as the primary linchpin behind the Wizards' early playoff appearances. He was always viewed as, oh, John Wall's sidekick as opposed to, oh, Beal is the guy who led us to the playoffs. Um, so those are like the basketball reasons. Um, beyond that, I'd say, you know, with players like Derek Rose or Kyrie Irving, I mean, they have notable national endorsements out there. Um, and you, you don't see Beal with, you know, national, you know, on national Nike commercials. You don't see Beal, uh, you know, on those national State Farm commercials with Chris Paul and James Harden. Um, and it's that type of national, um, that national marketing presence that Beal doesn't have yet. Um, unfortunately, I mean, I, I hate to say unfortunately, but uh, unfortunately the thing is, a lot of these seeds are planted as soon as a rookie gets into the NBA. And Beal didn't have that quite to the extent that some of these other players whom you're mentioning have. Like someone like a um, uh, someone like a Kyrie Irving, for example. I mean, he was I mean, he was getting a, a lot of marketing attention from the day he entered the NBA. Um, and even John Wall initially uh, got a lot of that. As well, especially from Reebok, I remember he had like his own shoe, and, and so forth. Um, so it's a combination of: are you are you the top guy for your team when you get to the playoffs from a lottery position? Beal, I'll say he wasn't in those first couple seasons. And then the second part is: did he get a lot of um, national marketing buzz early on? He didn't get either of them. And, I think that's what um, that's what has dampered his, um, his popularity among the casual NBA outside of Houston. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I feel as though 
Bill definitely has not had the national marketing uh, that, that that the players that you described, like a, like a Kyrie Irving has had. Uh, one of the biggest things that Kyrie Irving has is that is that uh, signature shoe deal with Nike, and the, you know the Kyrie Irvings are some of the more uh, popular basketball shoes among young hoopers, uh, you know, playing all around the country today. And you know Bradley Bill doesn't have his own signature shoe, even though he is signed as uh, a Nike athlete. But I, I, I want right. to touch on uh, one of the other uh, points that you made uh, about the fact that, you know, Bill really wasn't the star of the team, that, you know, he was kind of, you know, uh, the, the Robin to John Wall's Batman. And I want to, this is a perfect segue into the point, how much of uh, that Bill being, you know, playing a, a secondary role to Wall, how much of that do you think kind of had, uh, a, a bit to do with you know the 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 conversation surrounding the 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 uh, perceived rift between he and John Wall because you know I I think that uh, the the way that uh, sort of national media they come in and try to uh, portray it that you know Wall and Bill never really got along and I think a lot of that has been a little overblown. But uh, what, what do you, from your perspective, what, what, what do you think about the relationship between Wall and Bill? Do you think that some of those conversations were overblown? Uh, do, do, do you think that, that Wall and Bill uh, uh, can work together in the future? I'll say um, when it came to that, um, I, thought it, I thought it was a bit overblown. Um, uh, I think people will start... You know, people who aren't necessarily close to the Wizards, you know, they may see, oh, okay, John Wall, Bradley Beal, they're not, they're not BFFs. They're not, like, hanging out at each other's homes and all that other stuff. And, you know, there's other, you know, teammate tandems where, um, where, you know, the point guard and the shooting guard are best friends and all that stuff. Um, so when it comes to, you know, that type of, you know, I'm not sure if Bradley Beal and John Wall are, you know, the best of friends off the court and that type of thing. Are they like best friends for life? That type of that type of feeling. Uh, but when it comes to like the way they play together on the court, um, I believe that early on, uh, when you are a rookie like Beal, uh, you don't just—I mean, you want to assert yourself, but you don't necessarily want to uh, to make yourself seem like the franchise savior from day one. Um, I don't think even John Wall was like that in his initial uh, months with the Wizards. Uh, so, so I think from that perspective, um, Beal has, you know, Beal, Beal kept a low profile. He just, you know, let let the game come to him as opposed to him trying to force things. Um, and, and I think that's worked out just better. Um, now, over the last couple of years, uh, I think some of that dynamic between that wall and Beal backcourt um, has it has changed. I mean, Beal's uh, turned out to become you know better and better each and every year. Uh, he's become a more complete guard as opposed to someone you just pass the ball to for corner three. Um, that's what Beal did very well in the beginning. He still does that well today. Um, it's just that Beal's a better ball handler than he was in the past, and he can make his and he can play some point guard too if he really needed him to. Um, so going forward to the last part of your question, uh, do I think John Wall and Bradley Beal have to uh, they have to kind of adjust their relationship on the court? That is, the answer is yes. Uh, I mean, Wall does have that Achilles injury. Um, it is going to affect his game significantly whenever he gets back in the court. Uh, but that's, you know, that's completely not, that's a different podcast for another day. Uh, <laughs> but let's, but, you know, let's assume that John Wall uh, becomes a better spot-up shooter, uh, sort of like Jason Kidd had uh, during the latter years of his career. Uh, Beal is going to end up being more of a primary ball-handling guard than he was before. So going forward, do I think that tendency coexists? Yes. Can it? Um, and is Beal going to end up being more of that Batman and John Wall's Robin? This will be the hot take, but I'm going to have to say yes. I admit yes, because um, right now Beal is continuing to improve. He's entering the prime of his career. Uh, John Wall, he's coming back from a major injury, and he has to get his 
deep leg again, and then we'll see, you know, where he is at that point. Yeah, I, I don't even think that's a hot take. I mean, you know, this is just kind of the, the reality of the situation here. Uh, you know, I, I, yep. I think that the Wizards would be, it, it would behoove them to, you know, treat Bradley Bill as the franchise player moving forward. And so whereas uh, Bill kind of acquiesced to Wall in those early years, I believe that, you know, it, it's time for the role to be reversed. And, you know, Wall will probably have to acquiesce to, you know, some of the things that Brad can do on the court. And he'll have to, you know, kind of get in where he fits in around things, the things that Brad does very well. And uh, one of the reasons why Bill was able to kind of take over the reins of the franchise, as we, as we mentioned, is because Wall uh, has been injured the last uh, couple of seasons. And it wasn't just the Achilles injury from uh, from last year. Uh, you know, he, he had knee surgery uh, from the season before that. And, you know, that, that, that led us into the, the everybody eats wizard when, you know, the, the, the numbers for the team started going up. The advanced uh, analytics would say that, you know, the Wizards were playing better and the ball was being uh, distributed more. And, and when, when, uh, when John was out at the uh, end of the 2018 season, uh, what, what, what did you think about, uh, you know, Bill's everybody eats comment? And, uh, you know, do, do you think that, you know, some of the media may have blown it out of proportion when, you know, he was really just kind of, you know, taking over it. His, he was finding his way as a leader on and off the court of the team, and it was never really a shot at Wall, but it was just more so about, you know, getting everybody else, the people who were there on the court, getting them involved. Uh, I'd say with that situation, um, I think I don't think Beal was intending to, you know, ruffle feathers with Wall. It was just, um, I think it's just saying things how, how they were at that time. Um, at that point, you know, you had to get the ball moving to more people. Uh, uh, you're going to have more of an advantage against other. The Wizards have more have a bigger advantage against other teams, and they're passing the ball, and you just don't know who's going to shoot. That's why everybody worked out very well, especially in those um, those first five, ten games. Eventually, yes, people found found the uh, you know the weaknesses of individual players in the lineup, but that happens all the time. Um, you just have to find the strategy that works for your team. Uh, you know, to keep yourself in playoff position. And at the time, everybody eats was the right was the right thing to do. Um, and this is all. And the way everybody eats was, in general, you know, with this positional, with this positionless basketball era that we're in, and also the, this more pass happy basketball era that we're in now. Um, Bradley Beal fits into a wide variety of systems. I mean, he can be that spot-up shooter if there's a, you know, ball-dominant uh, point guard like John Wall who will orchestrate the offense um, in the way that he's, he did early in his career. But Beal can also um, initiate the offense on his own and get the ball moving to more players um, with another point guard like Tomas Sadoransky when he was on the team. Um and that's a, so it just shows the versatility that Beal had, um, as opposed to um, everybody eats, meaning oh, Bradley Beal trying to throw a shade of ball. I don't think about that. Right, and I, I believe that uh, the versatility that Brad has shown uh, over the last two years, um, you know, th- through the everybody eats era and, and then even coming into this season, you know, Brad has had to take on more responsibility as, as a ball handler and a not only a shot maker for himself, but a shot creator for his teammates. And so I think that the, the growth that he's shown in his game is the, is the difference that has taken him from, you know, a player who was an all-star level player to a fringe all-NBA caliber player. And what, what, what did you think of Bill uh, from last season and him, you know, uh, just barely missing out on the all-NBA? And, I mean, as, as quiet as it's kept, you know, I know that there are a lot of people around the Wizards organization that breathe a sigh of relief because it would have been a whole world of issues to have to deal with if Bill Wood had made All-NBA and would have been eligible for that super nice contract. Well, let's talk about Let's layer this into two different parts. So let's talk about Bill, the growth of his game, where he is making himself, he's turning himself into an All-NBA player. And then let's talk about... 
him uh, that, that super match contract, and with him uh, po- possibly turning down this uh, contract extension that the Wizards offered him uh, uh, last week, and the potential of him possibly making uh, All NBA this year, and w- if if he would be worth a super max contract in the future, if he were to make an All NBA team, mm-hmm. I'd I'd say that Beal deserved to make the All NBA team last year. Uh, you know that that battle ultimately came down to him and Kemba Walker, and Walker won it. Um, I believe the Charlotte Hornets performed a little better than the Wizards, so if that was the deciding factor, I'm, I'm not going to complain too much about that. Um, from a statistical standpoint, do I think Beal is, you know, at that fringe all-NBA level? Uh, yes. I, I, think, I think he's certainly there. Um, for, uh, as for, like, the current contract extension, um, it was like three years, one hundred eleven million dollars. If I'm not mistaken, if Beal were offer, you know, should Beal take it? If I were him, I would go ahead and just sit on it because if he doesn't make the All NBA team next this season, which is meaning 2019-20, he's probably going to get offered a similar extension, bar you know, barring something crazy. So, um, so in that case, you know. I don't see any pain with him, you know, just holding out for another another season. Uh, will Bill make the All-NBA team next year? I think when it comes to making an All-NBA team, um, these kind of awards tend to go to team, players on teams who at least make the NBA playoffs. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for Bill to make an All-NBA team unless, you know, he is among the NBA's top top scorers and assisters, and the Wizards also have to, you know, they're going to have to be really close uh, to making the playoffs. Um, I think the biggest odds have them at like 27, 28 wins um, for this season. So the Wizards are going to have to win close to the 40 games, and Beal's going to have to produce around the same level of what he's producing at. If he can do all of those things, then perhaps he may sneak in, uh, just depending on how other guards in the NBA do. Uh, but, but I think it's going to be difficult for him to make it all at the team because a lot of that's going to depend on how well the Wizards do with the team. And, and, you know, unless your name is LeBron James, and even LeBron, his luck kind of ran out last year. But, you know, just adding one player is not going to turn a team from a lottery team to, you know, an NBA final contender. Um, that very rarely happens. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. When when we talk about you know looking at the the way that the NBA the voting landscape, you know, team success plays a large uh, part in you know how uh, these media members vote. And you know if the if the Wizards aren't going to come out and win a lot of games next year, then you know there there's a, a good chance that you know that will hinder uh, Bradley Bill from making uh, an All NBA team next year. And so. Uh, if, if Brad doesn't come out and make all NBA, then, uh, the Wizards will, you know, still be, uh, within a decision to make because, you know, they're, they it, it, it's, it's fine for them to offer him that three year, $111 million contract extension right now for him to turn it down, but because he has two years left on his deal. Uh, so, it, you know, there, there, there's no need to kind of go into panic mode just yet, but, you know, if we fast forward and then we deal with next summer, and he, they offer him the same extension again, or they, you know, they, it'll be, it'll actually be more money next summer because the cap will go up, uh, which is also right. another reason why it's smarter for him to uh, wait it out. But if he, let's say he doesn't uh, take the contract extension even next summer, uh, at that point, do you think that it should be time for uh, the Wizards and their fans to go into panic mode as far as what the next step will be as far as Bradley Bill's future? If they can't, um, let's say they can't get an extension with Beal next year, and let's just assume the Wizards are win 25, somewhere between 25 to 30 games, which is, that's the general consensus according to Vegas. Um, we'll talk about NBA season previews uh, in depth next month. So if the Wizards are, you know, 
that 25 to 30 win team, he's not going to make, he's probably not making all NBA. Wizards offer him, you know, let's say three year, 115, 120 million extension, whatever the rules allow. And Beal doesn't accept that deal. Um, I do think they're going to have, they're going to have to start entertaining offers to trade them to other teams. Uh, you don't want a, you don't want a situation where you draft a player uh, who turns into a multi-time All Star. Uh, Beal will there's a good chance he'll be a three-time All Star after the 2019-20 season, um, and then you see him go for basically nothing. Um, the Wizards, I mean, they more or less well, let's just say a couple of it. They are rebuilding at this point. Um, they are going to rebuild around Beal for the time being. And if, if you know that Beal does not want to be part of this process over the long term, uh, you're going to have to find more draft picks to replace him, um, things like that, uh, to, to keep the franchise moving forward. Um, and you, and you, can't, you can't be too emotional about, about things like that. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I think Beal seems to be one of the he definitely seems to be one of the good guys in the NBA. Everybody likes the root, root for him once you get once you get to know his uh, his story and how how he's raised. And uh, when you check his social media accounts, I was like, you know, I'm just really thankful that I got that I'm here another day. Um, so he doesn't take things for granted. Um, at the same time, uh, you don't want to be when it's as they say in the NBA. You know, everything is a business decision. Um, the Wizards they have they have to think about what's best for a franchise over the long term and not fall. They can't be too emotionally involved in, you know, just keeping deals just because he's a good guy. Um, because that's going to hold them back from, you know, competing for more playoff appearances, you know, in the not too distant future. Well, I think that uh, this is where uh, I think one of the advantages of having a, a new general manager in place so whereas I feel like Tommy Shepard uh, is, is probably a lot more capable of kind of managing this situation than Ernie Grunfeld would have been. And I believe that, I mean, I believe that Tommy Shepard uh, ha- will, will have a good read on the situation. And I, I think that uh, from all indication that, you know, for them to have to trade Bradley Bill is probably the uh, absolute worst case scenario for what the Wizards would want to do. And so, you know, I, I think that whatever Tommy Shepard has to do to sell Bradley Bill on staying as a wizard, I think that, you know, he is going to do that. And, but, you know, he's also, this is also a business. And, you know, if, if, if it comes to a point where, you know, he's staring at either, you know, we lose Bradley Bill for nothing or try to get something for him, I believe that, you know, Tommy Shepard will, 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 will probably have to pull the trigger. But I think that when, when, we, when we talk about uh, uh, potential Bradley Bill deals, I think that this is a conversation that is, is very premature to have right now. And I feel like it's, something, it's a bridge that the Wizards will have to cross once they get there. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I think that, you know, for right now, I think that the only thing that uh, we can do as Wizards fans and content creators and people who observe the team is to kind of just uh, allow for this all to play out. And so, you know, th- I feel like uh, th- this is a, a season, uh, not, not, not necessarily like a, a free season or a season where they're punting away, but, I mean, this is, this is an opportunity to see, you know, experiment with different things, different lineups with, you know, uh, Bill surrounded by different shooters like C.J. Mouse and Davis Bertans and, and, you know, different stuff allow, uh, see if Bill can, you know, shoulder more of a load like a, like a James Harden where he can score more and, you know, uh, get, get his assists up and get his teammates involved. I think that the biggest thing when we talk about Bradley Bill right now is just the excitement that Wizards fans should have of seeing uh, where he can go and, 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 and how much of his potential that he'll actually be able to reach next season. How, how excited are you to, you know, kind of watch Bill and, and see uh, where his game can take him? Um, I think, this, you know, the good part about this season um, compared to the last couple is, uh, you know, like Bradley can come into the season knowing that he is the guy. Um, 
uh, since we already talked about in the dynamic between Wall of Beal um, and 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 whether that that perceived rift really means anything. But this is probably the first year where where Beal knows for sure. Okay, I have to be done. Um, though this is a rebuilding season, I rebuild a rebuilding season doesn't mean that a team has to win 15, 20 games and just languish and hope they get the number one pick. Rebuilding is what you make out of it. Um, the Wizards can put, uh, they put in a lot of talent around him, uh, mostly younger talent, um, you know, like they drafted Rui Hachimura, who should help shoulder the low post. They've re-signed Thomas Bryant, who did very well for them last season. Um, they've added a couple new point guards, like I, I, that's Isaiah Thomas, who, um, who would be an all-star if he hit his uh, 2017 form. Um, and of course, and, and of course, they added Ish Smith as well. I mean, the thing is, you have to, um, you just, you just have to let all these elements play out. Um, and, and then see, see where, where the rotation next year. Um, the Wizards, they still have one of their key pieces. And, um, and, and because you still have the least deal, you, you can't just say, okay, we're just gonna, we're just gonna tank and hope we get next year's number one pick. Um, a rebuild in my eyes is more, more like, okay, we know we have to start fresh, but we brought in a lot of new talent. Uh, we already have some of our top talent already here. Let's see how it works. And then we'll go from there. Um, and hey, if the Wizards are as bad as the, all the uh, preseason projections say, then yeah, okay, they're going to be picking in the top five, top six next year. Um, that's the reason why the NBA draft lottery is what it is. But if the Wizards perform better than we expect, um, then this team can go in, in more directions than, than we initially thought at this time. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> uh, I don't want to say there is a chance just yet. It's just way too early. Um, I still think the Wizards are they're not going to make the playoffs next year. Uh, but having said that, could this team push for 40 wins? I mean, could they push past 35, get toward 40 this season? If they do, then then that could entice more players. You know, more players and free agents that want to come here. Um, since you will have Jan Mahimi's contract coming off the books after 2019-20. Um, that's when, when this re, when like a salary cap rebuild would start, you know, really taking effect. Right now, we can't really, this season, there's, there's not too much they can do because you still have Beal's contract. Um, you still have, I mean, Wall Supermax is just kicking it. And, um, I mean, Mahimi, He's probably not going to be stretched or let go. He seems to, he seems like a good guy in the locker room otherwise. So, so from that standpoint, I mean, I don't think they have, I don't think they really have to let it go from that standpoint, but that's cool. Yeah, I mean, we, we, having, uh, the, uh, Jan Mahimi, we, we, that, that could either be a, a short three minute podcast in the future or, or it could be a, a, a four hour long podcast trying to figure out who, who decides to give him a four-year, $54 million contract? But as you said, Yamahimi's contract will be coming off the books eventually. And, you know, if, if there is a sense of optimism around the fact that, you know, if, if the Wizards, they don't have to necessarily make the playoffs, like you say, they can come out and, you know, uh, uh, play better than the, the, the Vegas predicted, what, 27 and a half wins, if they can get closer to 40 wins, I think that that will uh, – uh, lead, lead the, the franchise with a lot of optimism and what they can do going forward. But either way, I, I'm excited to see what the team can do, and I believe that they can outperform uh, the very low expectations that uh, people seem to have for the team. But I think that, that there's beauty in the journey, and I, I'm excited to uh, be a, a part of that journey next year. And I, like I said, I'm excited to have you coming coming on and, and, and coming down to the arena more often and, you know, but just just get a chance to to, to get a vibe and and, and can and see what what it is that you can bring to the table in the locker room and going in and and answer these questions. It, it's exciting time for uh, Wizards basketball and Wizards content creation. I 
Albert, man, I, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time out and coming on this podcast to, to you know, chop it up about uh, Bradley Bill. And I also want to give you this opportunity to, uh, to, you know, plug some more of your work and let the people know where they can find you on social media and where they can find uh, your work. Uh, sure. Um, I am um, at Alien the DMV on, on Twitter, so you can uh, so feel free to follow me there. Um, mostly it's just going to be a, uh, just a running Twitter feed of, of the content I write on Bulls Forever, but uh, I, I certainly do retweet and, you know, post other thoughts as well. Um, you can check out bulletsforever.com um, uh, and follow us on Twitter at Bullets Forever uh, and also follow our Facebook page as well. And, of course, um, you know, uh, Bullets Forever wasn't the first SB Nation site I wrote on. Um, I first wrote on uh, Swish Appeal, which is SB Nation's uh, WNBA site. Um, I am uh, still a contributor there, so... Uh, uh, feel free to follow uh, Swish Appeal as well for general WNBA content as well. Yeah, I think that, and, and you, you're definitely uh, one of the leading voices in uh, WNBA content. And I'll, I'll have to get you back on uh, at some point during the summer to, to you know, talk uh, Washington Mystics basketball. <laughs> yes, um, and definitely the Mystics are uh, they're what their second place in the WNBA standings. Um, and this is probably their best shot at winning the title. Um, and, hey, I mean, after making the final last year, there's really only one more step. There's really only one more hump for them to, to get past, and that's, and that's just winning it all. Um, I don't really... Uh, besides the Phoenix Mercury, I think they have a... I think they are probably going to be safe to get almost anyone else in a five-game series if they make the finals again this year. Yeah, well, I mean, and Deladon, we trust. I, I, I believe that the, the, the Mystics have a more than valid shot of, of winning the WNBA title. And, you know, I'm, I'm just as excited to see, uh, you know, if, if they're able to get the monumental basketball era off to a, a, a winning start. So, uh, again, Albert, I want to thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, this was great. I, I, I look forward to, uh, uh, Working uh, alongside you in the future, and, uh, and again, I'm just I'm just excited for you know the things that the Mystics and and the Wizards are going to be able to do. All right, same here. Well, thanks so much for having me on. All right, no problem, man. No problem, man. Take it easy, man. Enjoy the rest of your summer. All right. All right, thanks. You too. Yep. Bye bye.